It is so startling. We're all affected by it. Literally every 39 seconds, Patrick, a fraud incident takes place. And it's up over 39% over 2020. COVID not only created a physical virus, it gave our fraudsters a lot of opportunity to be at home and think of ways to create opportunities for fraud. The biggest threats to your business aren't necessarily competitors or supply chain issues. They're the threats you can't see, the ones lurking in the shadows that can blindside you. Yeah, businesses of all sizes and industries are affected. Everyone from locally owned businesses, small businesses, to huge enterprises. And just no one is safe. So everyone has to be really diligent. I'm Patrick Pacheco, and you're listening to In Good Companies from Cadence Bank, the podcast where we answer the toughest questions facing your business and guide you through the company lifecycle from start to sale and success to succession. It's an unfortunate fact of life that wherever there's money, there's people trying to steal that money. And the more digital our lives become, the more access points thieves and fraudsters have to your business. As security evolves, so do the tools and schemes they implement. So you've got to stay current to stay protected. But you're not an expert in cybersecurity. You're an expert in your business. So how can you protect yourself? Wait a minute. What's that up in the sky? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Lori Johnson and Tracy Dalton. Lori and Tracy are superheroes in the fight against cybercrime. They're cadence bankers with a mission to protect their clients at every turn. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. So Lori and Tracy joined us to talk about the keys to safeguarding your money and data. Together, we'll cover the most common targets for fraudsters, best practices for employees, and the powerful tools your bank has to offer. Will the fraudsters weasel their way into your system? Will good triumph over evil? Will Lori and Tracy reveal their secret identities? Stay tuned to find out. Yes, I'm Lori Johnson, and I'm a Senior Vice President, Treasury Management Sales Manager. I'm Tracy Dalton, and I'm a Treasury Management Officer. In treasury management sales, you know, our role is really understanding their cash flow cycle, the things that they have in place from a risk mitigation perspective today, and then helping, you know, through our trusted advisor role to layer in tools and resources that will help them mitigate their risks. To know how to protect yourself, first, you have to understand what you're up against. And let me tell you, the threat is real. So, Lori, let's take a 30,000-foot view. How do some of these things work? And it doesn't seem like all of them are super sophisticated. What are the most common ones you see, and then how do they actually work? What are they doing? Yeah, no, Patrick, you're right. There are a lot of different types of threats, and they, they really vary in their level of sophistication. And what we see from just the most common forms is that they start with social engineering, And so hackers really use a variety of techniques to try to trick the end user into gaining access to their systems or information. And so one common example, you know, that we see a lot is is phishing. Phishing attacks can come in the form of email, text, phone calls, and they really look legitimate and are designed to persuade the end user to download an attachment, click on a link, um, and provide sensitive information such as passwords or account information. That sounds like a pretty simple attack. What are some of the more sophisticated things that you see? 
A couple of the other things that we've seen um, that are very common is, you know, in 2021, we've seen a record high of data breaches, um, you know, which can really wreak havoc on a company doing things such as driving down consumer confidence. These types of data breaches um, a lot of times affect, you know, millions of end users, you know, particularly when they are on the national and international brand level and all over the media is an example. You know, Facebook um, was an example from earlier this year um, where users' information was stolen. Another example is malware, um, which really just is malicious software. And it affects the computers when users download attachments from unknown senders or click on infected links. You know, there are many different types of malware that we hear about, Trojans, viruses, spyware, lots of different types of malware, but they really all have one goal, uh, and that is to steal information, even damage or disrupt systems or take them over, such as in the form of, of ransomware. Ransomware attacks have been on the rise this year. You know, I know we heard about, you know, back in May, um, the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. But what ransomware really is designed to do is there's a targeted system um, that becomes encrypted in which the companies no longer have access to the systems or information until they pay the ransom. And, and even then, if the company chooses to pay the ransom, it, it's really no um, guarantee that they will regain access to the system or information. Tracy, so you have visibility on a lot of uh, a big range of clients. What kind of trends are you seeing with your clients? Absolutely, Patrick. And there's just so many types of fraud. Email fraud is obviously the most prevalent, simply because we all live and die by email. But also internet fraud, bank account takeover fraud, that's certainly one of my highest dealings. And then debit and credit fraud, it's everywhere. And, and so many of my clients deal with this when their account information is intercepted by fraudsters. Once the bank account information is stolen, a fraudster then uses that to redirect their funds anywhere from creating and distributing checks to creating online payments with clients' banking information. I just had a client this week that all of a sudden started seeing all of these credit card payments on their banking information and said, well, those aren't mine. I literally fraudsters are paying off their credit cards with my client's banking information. So it's pretty darn scary. How big of a problem is this? I mean, how many businesses are affected? What kind of dollars are we talking about here just across the business landscape in general here in the United States? Yeah, it's a huge issue for companies and, and it's reported to be, you know, really a primary threat to business growth because the losses can be so significant. And so I would say the scale really depends on the level of sophistication. You know, if it's if it's check fraud, the losses are typically going to be smaller. Cyber fraud, the losses will be, you know, larger. So anywhere from thousands of dollars to millions of dollars. And really what we, we see is it's not a matter of if you're going to get attacked, it's a matter of when. And we all take the impact from that. Every single one of us in overall our economy is affected by that, right? Prices rise because companies are taking losses. And then small businesses, it could take a small business out if they're not insured and insurance is expensive. So it's a slippery slope. Are companies taking it seriously? Are your companies taking it seriously? Is it a, one of their top priorities? Or are they thinking, I, if I just close my eyes, it'll go away and hope nothing happens? 
It is so startling. We're all affected by it. Literally every 39 seconds, Patrick, a fraud incident takes place. And it's up over 39% over 2020. COVID not only created a physical virus, it gave our fraudsters a lot of opportunity to be at home and think of ways to create opportunities for fraud. So yeah, businesses of all sizes and industries are affected. Everyone from locally owned businesses, small businesses to huge enterprises and just no one is safe. So everyone has to be really diligent. And people are now really calling to be proactive, which is warms my heart and and is very exciting because um, we can reach out, but having people reach out to us is really important as well. The message is clear. If you're not worried about what's out there, you're not paying attention. But what can you do about it? Well, the first step is evaluating your current security setup. What are some steps that every company should be taking? What are some common threads, some basic things that every company needs to think about and they haven't thought about, they need to start thinking about now? Every business should be asking about their information. Where is the critical data located? And what's its value? They need to identify the systems and databases where their information is stored, whether it be out on a cloud or in their bank. They need to understand all of the different relationships that interface with their data. And then they need to understand how their critical data is backed up. You know, the frequency of it, is it offsite? Is it off network? Is it encrypted? And then what are the layers of our cyber defense plan? How do those layers work together and understanding which threats are mitigated by which layer? And monitoring, monitoring for suspicious activity is so important. Are they monitoring 24-7, 365? They should be. Are they including vendors? Who connects to your network? And understanding those external threats. And then what do those cyber incidents response plans include? Is there a business continuity plan after their attack? Reputation mitigation. These companies need to protect their reputation. And then again, as you mentioned with security, the liability and the limit to financial damage. And then really who's performing that information security function? Is there accountability to business leaders and support from qualified third-party partners when it's needed? So there's absolutely a lot of questions that every business should be asking about their security plan. Of course, once you've asked the question, then you actually have to do something about it. Fortunately, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are plenty of companies that provide a great model with how they manage their security. I understand you have a a client that's in the healthcare sector that's doing everything right when it comes to cybersecurity and can be a really great model. What is it that made this client get to that point? What was their concern about cybersecurity? Yeah, so my client is, serves uh, the healthcare industry and is a nonprofit. And so they have numerous constituents throughout their footprint that they are accountable to. So they're responsible to protect each and every portion of their that payment life cycle. So it was very important to them to make an investment and a commitment to their cybersecurity and fraud. 
So when this client comes to you and says, we, we want to make this commitment, what did you do to help set them up for success? I spent a lot of time with my clients and they came to me and, and we wanted to really discuss with them what they have in place today. What are they doing? What are they doing manually? What outside resources do they have? And we talk about industry trends and we try to identify opportunities to increase their levels of protection. It may be as simple as adding an internal process that they may not have thought about or implementing a new service that enables them to safeguard their assets. One of the best security investments you can make isn't fancy software. It's educating your employees because most fraudsters aren't trying to get in through your firewall. So you mentioned employees. It seems that as we've gone through the discussion, it seems like the employee is potentially the weak link in these things. And so what did they do with regard to education, both outside and, and for their employees about why we do certain things? You know, my client is very diligent in keeping up with the trends and the latest scams, but they also partner with an outside IT consulting firm. And the firm provides education sessions and updates and overall support with questions and written material. How do you get employees to buy into doing this? And how, how did they get their employees to buy into now we're going to add a third step? Uh, is it something that the employees were ready to do because they communicated? Or is it something that took a little bit more leaning on folks to get them complying? Their employees really do buy in because even though they have quarterly education trainings, they talk about cybersecurity and fraud every single week in their in their meetings and they share situations that happen or that they've heard about. And their employees are really invested in safeguarding the company that they work for. Once employees know what to watch for, it's about creating internal controls so that security never relies on a single person, but rather draws strength from the collective. Absolutely. You know, so I can't stress enough how communication and training is, is so important to prevent fraud, but also having those processes in place, implementing things like dual control that run through all of the processes. So my client has actually a three-step process where someone verifies the request, a different person is entering a request, and a third person, you know, typically a manager, is authorizing to complete that transaction. And so that's how diligent my client is with these. And then they also leverage some of our online banking tools like alerts and notifications that remind them or alert them when something is off and they can set those up to be, you know, specific for them. And you look and go, you know, yeah, that's an extra step or why three step? We hear two step. But that is how important, you know, safeguarding their money is and safeguarding their funds are. So that extra step, it's okay. And it's okay because they can, for their employees, their employees don't feel that oh, I've got to do another step because they're constantly educating and constantly working together to understand that these things are happening every day. And so we all have to do an extra step to safeguard ourselves. Cybersecurity seems to be a team effort. So 
what seems like one of the best teammates, you know, people may not know about is their bank. How, how can Cadence be a good teammate to its customers in the cybersecurity world? I think there are multiple different avenues there. We provide the technology tools that our clients need to protect them from various types of fraud, but also from an education perspective. Um, we see ourselves as an extension of our clients' business, and part of that comes into you know helping them to protect their assets. And so, you know, whether it be on the product perspective and, and the tools and, and solutions that we provide and offer our clients, there are a ton of resources you know out there available in our online platform. And then through our conversations that we talked about previously, where we're really understanding, you know, what are the tools that our clients have in place, what might be their vulnerabilities, and really helping to identify those and helping them close those gaps. Let's pivot to some specific offerings Cadence has uh, and how they protect clients from fraud. So tell me a little bit about positive pay. It's really as easy as our client, you know, uploading a file or inputting the checks that they would like the bank to pay on their behalf. And then the bank reconciles their approved check register against the items that are clearing their account. And if anything doesn't match the criteria that we're matching against, the customer has, you know, an opportunity to proactively decide to pay that item or should they choose to return it because it truly is a fraudulent item. Positive pay in in a lot of cases does capture fraudulent attempts. It's very inexpensive insurance. What about ACH positive pay? How's that different? So just like positive pay works to protect against checks, ACH positive pay just protects your account from unauthorized electronic transactions. So it really allows our clients to create a database, if you will, of companies or vendors that are authorized to to debit their account. Tax payments is a common example, maybe payroll fees, um, merchant services fees, really just setting that foundation for companies that you have provided your account number and routing number two that can come in and, and draft your account and making sure that you are proactively able to stop any transactions that are unauthorized. So I needed that for my account because my son had some money on a Venmo account and said, well, I can't get it off. Can you let me link it to your debit card so you could give me my, my $200? So I linked it to the debit card and I didn't think anything. And then I kept questioning my girlfriend who has a, a card on my account why are you spending so much money? Why are you spending so much money? Finally, she looked at it and she goes, I didn't spend money at Champ Sportswear. And I thought, I've got fraud on my account. And then I started looking at the, all the locations. It was Champ Sportswear, Dick Sporting Goods. Started looking. I said, hey, Grant, that's my 15-year-old son who people have heard about before. I said, have you been using my Venmo account? And he said, no, I've been using my Venmo account. I said, is my card on it? He goes, yes. I said, why did you do that? He goes, you didn't tell me to take it off. But uh, yeah, it's amazing how quickly things can spiral out of control if you don't look at your bank statements. So I I may need to enlist your help at some point to protect myself against my son. Sounds like Grant had a nice shopping spree. You know, the bad part about it, he actually bought me some stuff. Like he bought me a, a cap and something else I forgot. Yeah, and I said, Grant, that was really nice. And I realized he bought it with my own money. But uh, <laughs> Surprise. I guess it's the thought that counts. With the general public more aware than ever of cyber attacks, I asked Lori if companies have improved their cybersecurity protections. The answer is yes, but that doesn't mean we can let our guard down. I would say that it that it has improved. However, a lot of what we see are just the repeatable, um, very simple mistakes that we've talked about. You know, maybe it's 
not authenticating a wire request or doing that that callback verification to the trusted number. Maybe it's relaxing internal controls or becoming lax on software updates and things like that. So I would say regardless of the industry, you know, we kind of talked earlier about assuming that an email is bad until it is proven good, particularly when there are, you know, requests for payment or any type of financial transaction. Wires is most common. It only takes just a few minutes. And I think, you know, we get busy we have our jobs to do, or maybe the request, you know, came from a big fish in the company, if you will. And so, um, you know, we don't, we don't want to question those folks. And so it's just being hypervigilant, staying curious, second guessing everything. I'm going to use your, assume it's bad until proven good with my son. That's going to be my new, <laughs> my new mantra I have with him. <laughs> and through her work with all her clients, Tracy's learned to keep her head on a swivel. I can't say it enough. Uh, The best way to audit your setup is to be diligent. Be diligent about checking your bank account and bank transactions daily. Just a quick look can find and uncover something very significant. Communicating, communication, communication, communicating internally and having multiple sources to educate uh, your staff about cybersecurity and fraud prevention and really to have a good relationship with your trusted banking advisor. So what have we learned? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And a pound of prevention, well, that's even better. Educate your employees, consult outside sources, and utilize your bank. Cadence, in particular, has become an industry leader in security. So we're ready to be your partner in crime, or partner out of crime. Above all, work together to stay vigilant. That way, you won't need a superhero to save you, you'll be the superhero. If you want to know more about how to protect your business, visit the Business Fraud Knowledge Center on Cadence Bank's website. We'll put a link in the show notes for you. Thanks to Lori Johnson and Tracy Dalton, two real-life superheroes, always saving the day. In Good Companies is a podcast from Cadence Bank, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. Sheena Cochran is our production coordinator. Our executive producer is Danielle Cornell, with writing and production from Andrew Gannam and sound design and mixing by Alex Bennett at Lower Street Media. I'm your host, Patrick Pacheco. If you've made it this far and you got something out of the episode, why don't you go out and give us a five-star rating in your podcast app? It's the best thing you can do to help the show grow and reach more people. And join us next week, because when you're with us, we're in good companies. This podcast is provided as a free service to you and is for general informational purposes only. Cadence Bank makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the content in the podcast. The podcast is not intended to provide legal, accounting, or tax advice and should not be relied upon for such purposes. To the extent that this podcast includes predictions about the economy, these predictions are subject to a number of variables and you should confer with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors for their input regarding the possible outcomes of any economic subject matter discussed herein.